welcome to the nerd party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop. Punch it. Punch that shit. Let's punch it. Hello and welcome to Punch It, episode 63. My name is Charlene Schmidt and with me as always is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, it is so good to see your face. If you are listening to us in real time, we had to take an impromptu week off. Life just happened and we couldn't get an episode out because the fates just had it in for us. (laughs) It was a really weird thing because we tried on two separate occasions and something always got in the way whether something happened in real life or something popped up we're just like holy crap i need to leave or something technical was going on it was insane we wanted to give you guys an episode we tried our hardest (laughs) we tried so hard and the podcast gods just put their foot down and they said no It was extremely strange, but I am very excited about what topic we're going to talk about today. But before we go into that, I feel like we need to tell our listeners something. We are doing our first ever prize giveaway. Yes, we're giving something away. You can get it for free. Well, almost. We need you to do one little thing. That's right. This is going to be a review contest. We're giving away... Star Trek Discovery Drastic Measures by our pal Dayton Ward. We're giving a paperback for free to you guys if you write us a review in iTunes. Now, if you've already written us a review in iTunes, we do apologize. You are no longer eligible for this prize giveaway. But for those of you who haven't, please go to the iTunes store, search Punch It, Writing in Star Trek. It'll come up. Give us a review. You can give us any kind of review you want. It can't just be a rating. It has to be a rating and review. We are looking for iTunes only because we know a lot of you guys listen to us in other avenues like Sprecher or TuneIn or Google Play or everything like that. But we are looking for iTunes uh, because we get a lot of data from iTunes and uh, we kind of rise up in the rankings on iTunes. So please go there. And uh, if you want, once your review is published, you can screenshot it and send it to us. But we will be tracking it. So when you send it to us, you can send it to us either on Twitter or on Facebook or via email. But you don't have to do that. You can just write a review. And what we'll do is when we announce the winner, we'll say the winner is such and such username. And then you can email us after that your physical mailing address. Yeah, we'll take care of all that behind the scenes. Yeah, so like you won't have to pay for the book. You won't have to pay for shipping or anything like that. We'll send it to you guys. It'll be totally random. What we'll do is we'll put the usernames in a generator, click the button, then boom, the person will come up. And that's who it'll be. So what you'll have to do is you'll have to keep on listening because we're going to be doing this for a month. So starting from the release date of this episode, we're going to be doing it for a month. And we'll remind you every every week going forward. But yes, write us a review. Let us know. And you will be entered in to win a physical paperback copy of Star Trek Discovery Drastic Measures by Dayton Ward. And for those of you who are interested in the book and have not read it yet, so far it's pretty good. I have not finished it, but there's a little something special in this book, at least on my end, which is kind of cool. And it's actually the main reason why we're giving away this book, so please let the listeners (laughs) know why. Well, apparently, 
in the future in the novel verse, I have a future namesake who works for Kodos, the evil executioner. I don't have a whole lot to say to defend her, uh, except that she is young, probably under her father's influence because uh, her, her father is working with Kodos. And she's probably very impressionable and it's the perfect setup for a redemption story. That's all I really have to say is she will write her Well, you don't want to give away too much. That's just in my head canon. I do not know if that actually happens in the book. I'm only two-thirds oh. of the way through. I've been going oh. through it slowly. I read a little bit just before bed every night, and so I've been going through one chapter or two at a time. So I don't know if her fate is ever revealed. Probably not. She's a very minor character, but there is a Charlene Schmidt in the novel verse. <laughs> One small thing I do have to add is that the last name is not quite the same spelling as my last name. And you pointed out that's probably due to copyright and well, for something of that nature. Not necessarily copyright, but legal reasons. I mean, Dayton Ward did uh, has been known to do this with certain Star Trek fans and people that he knows online through Twitter and social media and everything like that. And um, you noted that the spelling was different. And uh, a lot of times that's done when you want to do an homage to someone, but you also don't want to get into legal battles if for some reason they don't like that homage or they think it's some sort of weird libel. Now, obviously, you don't normally get into that with sci-fi. But regardless... I'm sure the publisher makes the authors do this so that the spelling is different. So that if you didn't like it, you they would be able to say, well, it's not you. It's a different spelling. It's it's a different right. Charlotte. So if I hated the fact that he gave my namesake an evil character, like, mm-hmm. why did you have to make me a bad guy? And I wanted to stomp up and sue Dayton Ward. I can't do that. Right. Right. Nor would I because I love him and I, I totally appreciate what he's doing here. Oh, absolutely. Date Ward is great. Everybody should follow him on social media and everybody should read his other works because there's a lot of works out there that he has done. And uh, I've read some reviews. I haven't read it myself. I'm waiting so I can read all three at once. But the reviews are good and uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. And we hope you guys are enjoying this show. Yeah. And speaking of the novel verse, this whole thing, not only did it inspire our contest to try and drive a little more into the iTunes store for helping us out just a little bit. It means a lot. But our big topic is we're going to delve into the novel verse and we're going to talk about stories or ideas that we want to see happen. Yes, and to add a little caveat to that, you and I are not a comprehensive encyclopedia of what has happened in the novel verse so far. Oh gosh, no. I mean, it's so vast, spanning decades almost as far back as the show itself. Seriously, there's no way that we could have read everything, and there's no way that we could have be aware of everything that has happened in the novel verse. So you're going to hear us talk mainly about unanswered questions, loose threads that's never been tied together, or you know maybe even some plot holes that could have been retroactively changed in order to move it along, or some something to that effect. Like we're, it's mainly going to be talking about things that have happened in Star Trek in canon that we would have liked to have seen completed or followed up to. So we're just kind of using the novel verse as an excuse to do that because something might have happened in the middle of Deep Space Nine. Well, the only way that that's going to get answered is through a novel. We're not going to have a revival. We're not going to have a web show. We're not going to get a movie. And so novel is an opportunity for that to get answered, and it is often used as an opportunity. I mean, we've seen several great novels that have been based off of something really minute that has happened in the show. And so we're going to give some storylines that we would have liked to have seen tied up 
but you might be thinking, oh, well, Shar, Tristan, this was totally answered in uh, the Unity book or, or something to that effect. <laughs> and so if that's the case, let us know because yeah. we know that we're not going to know everything. So what you can do is you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form. It'll send us an email and you can tell us, hey, Shar, Tristan, I got great news. You can read about that that storyline in this book or check it out here. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party or Twitter at join nerd party. As always, our listeners tend to be our eyes and ears in terms of the vastness of the Star Trek universe. We all kind of have this collective body of knowledge. And so in the past, this has helped me personally greatly because way back when I said, you know what I really want in a novel is I want an adventure on the Enterprise C. And somebody told me on Twitter, said, hey, guess what? You're in luck. There actually is a novel. Well, I found it. I ordered it. I read it. It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my favorite book. But the fact is, is that it was out there. Somebody pointed me in the right direction and I could not be more grateful. So that said, if we stumble on something in this episode that does the same thing, love to know. Now, all of that said, Tristan, is there a part of the novel verse that you really gravitate toward? Is there a series, a time period? Uh, or do you just kind of read around and do little bits of everything? I have, have not read anywhere near the amount that you have. You, you have read way more Star Trek novels than I have when it comes to the novel verse. <laughs> like when I was younger and like hardcore getting into Star Trek and not just watching the show, but you know, like reading novels and reading comics and playing video games and going online and going to the message boards and everything like that. The novels that I mainly read were novelizations of episodes or movies or things like that. But then I I branched out a little bit towards we all, if you guys have heard us from To The Journey, you know that we talk about this all the time. Um, Some of my favorite Star Trek novels are Pathways and Mosaic from Voyager. Right. And so those were, those were definitely my favorites. And so I love novels that are set during the show's run. Oh, do you? Okay. That's interesting since the novel verse has pretty much every facet you could think of. It's during the show, it's mixed periods of time, and it's any kind of random thing. Sometimes it's whole new crews. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. gravitate toward what you know. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, I think it's great that we're getting like season eight of Deep Space Nine. We're getting season eight of Voyager and that we're exploring things like with Homecoming, all of that. Like, I, I really do think that is is fascinating that we're getting Ben Sisko back and, and all that kind of business. And the, well, of course, there's the Titan novels with some of my favorite characters. But honestly, to me, I love the idea when I pull out a TNG novel and it's and it at the beginning it says the events take place between season three and season four of the Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> I love that because I love these shows so much and I, I have every single thing memorized. And so I can just <laughs> transport my brain to exactly what it's supposed to look like. Now, I know a lot of people probably think that's unimaginative because you can open up any world and imagine what it looks like. But for me, it's like I'm getting an episode that was never produced. That's exactly what it is. It's comfortable. It's well, it's comfort food. Is yeah, what it is. Yeah. It's just more of the same thing that you know that you love. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I got to say though that my favorites tend to be the missing gap periods. Things that we really just have not seen much on screen. What was going on behind the scenes? There always seems to be potential for good story material and 
you know it's not ever going to really get on the screen. So mm-hmm. the novel verse is the place, and of course, the whole roster of authors that they've had for Star Trek over the years, they've delved into this. They've gone there, and I really appreciate that. Now, while doing research for this podcast, something came across to me that I might actually look into and order some books, and that is the Enterprise B era. I had no idea that they had written, well, not a substantial amount, but there are some books out there that talk about the Enterprise B, her life, and what was happening in that era, a very lost era. Yeah, I uh, I didn't know that there was novels either. I know that I've seen Harriman's face. I think it was on like one novel I saw his face and I just thought it was uh-huh. like a one-off or something like that. But that's really interesting that there's an entire series devoted to this crew. Now, I'm not sure exactly if it's a series, how many books these are, if they're tied together or not. But can I tell you a little bit about what I found out? Because this is please. what really intrigued me is the Enterprise B had a long life. Like a lot of Excelsior-class ships, they just last forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Launched in 2293, presumed destroyed in 2329, where the crew contracted some sort of infection. It's really murky. That's just kind of what I got out of it. There was mixed input depending on which book you read. Because the novel verse is not canon, the authors can do what they want. So there's different uh, realities out there. But the one thing that really gravitated me toward this uh, potential of reading these books is Captain Demora Sulu. She huh. rises up in the ranks, she becomes captain of the ship, and she goes on some adventures. And since we had just talked about her with our Star Trek Generations rewrite, I thought, ooh, well that could be kind of interesting. Yeah, that that is interesting. I was kinda I was kinda hoping that uh Enterprise B would be decommissioned. Oh really? Yeah, like it would it would run its life and it's just like, okay, because I guess the Enterprise A was decommissioned, but I was just thinking, I was like, okay, the original Enterprise was destroyed, Enterprise C was destroyed, Enterprise D was destroyed. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, let's just get the Enterprise B without incident, just be like, okay, good times. <laughs> you know, you had you a good had run. had a good run. <laughs> like, you don't need to go in a blaze of glory. You can go out with a job well done. I think it's very hard for the Enterprise to do that. It's just not in her nature. Because that was also one thing that I always thought was really weird, because why would they decommission the Enterprise A? Why wouldn't you just give it a new crew? Because it was it was not that old. It was just a couple years old. It's true. I mean, they, they just rebuilt the darn thing. And actually, I kind of get conflicting messages, like in Star Trek VI, where they're talking about this. In Kirk's final monologue, he's saying, this ship will become, or it will go under the care of another crew. I don't remember them saying but that. But it's going to be dis- decommissioned. Now, I don't know if he's talking about future ships with the name Enterprise. Maybe that's what he means. Oh, but that just yeah. occurred to me where he says that. But as soon as they're done going on their final cruise, they're going to space dock and she's getting torn down. So I don't know what's what anymore. Yeah, that always really bothered me. I'm sure that the, some of our listeners, the hive mind, as it were, probably have more information than we do. But that was one thing that always really confused me. So that I felt like the B would have been a perfect opportunity just to go like, that'll do, pig, that'll do. Yeah, she had a good long life. Let her retire in peace. But no, no, we we cannot have that. So, out of the novels, is is that kind of your your favorite? Then, uh, your favorite area is is the B, or is it just the missing eras? Is your is your favorite? It's much more about the missing eras because I don't okay. want to read just about the B. I want to read about the C. I want more. 
I know that the, there's that one novel out there that I read, but I want more. I want all the adventures of Captain Garrett that we're never going to get. So any authors, if you're reading this, if you got a story idea, I'm totally willing to give you my money if you write it. But then, I don't know, I love to go all over the place. I like, I love the novels that take place after the series run, what's happening mm -hmm. in the future to our characters. Totally loving all of that. And also, on terms of discovery, I think there's a whole new world of potential for that, too. You know, long after the show's over, we'll have missing gaps that need to be filled. We have different perspectives that we can go into. Like, one thing that I would love at some point, maybe, is a novel written from the Klingon's perspective. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's maybe about the war that we just miraculously ended in season one, or if there's going to be much more to it. I would say yes, because I don't think that, I think that's far from over. So that's a future idea, but depending on how things go, there's, I think, a lot of potential for that to get their side of the story, so to speak. Now, would it be written in Klingon, and would you have to have a Klingon to English dictionary? <laughs> Oh, now that would be pretty hardcore, wouldn't it? That would be hardcore. I know that there is a small segment of Trek fans that would just hardcore love that, but <laughs> considering how small that audience might be, I think for marketing purposes, they should probably at least have a version in English. Now, one thing that I would, uh, I would love to know from you yeah. is what loose ends would you like to see that popped up in Star Trek? Not just things Ooh. like, oh, you know, missing eras or anything like that, but things that were set up or uh, mentioned in Star Trek, but never never fulfilled. Mm, that's tough because a lot of my loose ends that were from Voyager, all that untapped potential, Kirsten Beyer is doing a bang-up job of tying a lot of those things together. There's probably more out there, I'm sure. And she has a book coming out soon, by the way. It's been on the horizon forever, and I'm pretty sure that her work on Discovery massively is what caused the delay. But it is supposed to come out, I think, at the end of this month. We'll see. Do you know what it's about? Oh, I've not read the description in a while. It's just continuing the novel-verse storyline that she has created where there is a fleet of ships going back and forth between Alpha and Delta Quadrant because they've mastered Slipstream, and a lot of things that happened on Voyager's journey home have kind of caught up to Catherine Janeway, and she's had to deal with them. That's cool. So it's a continuation of that. Beyond that, no, I honestly don't remember. I mean, this book has been on pre-order for, I think, at least a year, and that was the last time I read the description. So <laughs> you know how my memory is. Well, what about you, though? I mean, are there any mis missing eras or loose ends like that, that that you're just dying to know more about that you would love? Well, I think for me, like when we originally created the idea for this podcast, the first thing that popped in my head was Q and Guinan's history. Oh, yeah, of course. That would be so good. Because, you know, I love Q. I love Q. I love Guinan. I mean, those are some of my two favorite ancillary characters. And, I mean, right when Q shows up and a human... It, actually, no, he before he, before even that, like he, he, when he shows up and uh, Guinan sees him, there's immediately tension there's a like they they do the whole tiger thing you know where like, like they have their hands up <laughs> yes whatever that is <laughs> like Guinan for some reason could physically fight this omnipotent being <laughs> i guess we don't know what Elorians are capable of but i would love to know the history behind that because like you 
excuse me, Guinan teased it a little bit, but very vaguely. It's just like, oh, you know, I know about him. He, you know, like he goes from civilization to civilization, just wreaking havoc. Well, what does that mean? What could it mean? And can we get a novel about it? Can we get a short story about it? There's got to be, because she had to have been around Q and survived. And it had, like, was he a trickster or did he put the Elorians through some sort of, tri- uh, through some sort of trial like humanity? You know, like what, what yeah. kind of things happened? And because Guinan is centuries old and even though like she's centuries old and is ancient compared to us, Q has been around since the beginning of time. So we could get some really cool stuff in different and unique areas like maybe they did see each other on earth you never know it's absolutely possible so yeah there's plenty of potential i love it i would i would love to know more about gaiden myself she's one of my very favorite characters too so please please somebody out there write some gaiden <laughs> and on top of that i would love to have figured out what happened to scotty after he was introduced in relics Oh, yeah, that's a very good loose end. He just kind of went out there wafting into the ether, didn't he? Yeah, it was uh, It was one of those things where it wasn't necessarily a loose end. I, I guess you could call it a, a loose end. It was, it was a satisfying story with an open ending. And yeah. it was something that I don't necessarily need closure on, but I would love to know what happened because they teased it at the, at the end where he was going to go to some sort of retirement community. And he's like, eh, not yet, not yet. And so where did he go? What did he do? What did he explore? The Shatner novels might have explored this. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I've beyond the things like Star Trek memories and more of the autobiographical types of stuff. I've not read a lot of the Shatner novels. So listeners, if you know more than we do, chime in. That actually gets me thinking about lesser known characters and maybe, uh, a little bit of gap filler that you could do that like I, I'm envisioning an anthology of short stories and they've done this before with things mm-hmm. with lesser known characters and you get a story from that minor character or like maybe we saw this person once you know from their point of view which might be kind of fun just a simple short story so some people who immediately come to mind are like Mott the Barber <laughs> why not why not um, and the other what? You've always been a little bit more free-floating with that. <laughs> like, there have been times when, like, before this was writing in Star Trek, when this was punch-it writing in pop culture, there's, there was more than a few times you, you said, like, oh, let's write a story ar- around this character that had three seconds of screen time and, and that is not interesting at all. And I'm just like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> because it's untapped potential and you can do anything with them. It's a blank slate. There's a lot of freedom in that and maybe almost too much freedom. Oh, what about those Maquis rebels that Tuvok had to uh, conform to Starfleet protocol in Learning Curve? Whatever happened to them? They just dropped that like it was nothing. We never saw or heard from them again. What were they ultimately up to? And what happened after Voyager got home? What did they do? Oh, that's such a good idea. That is such a good idea. we, We were absolutely robbed of that during the show. We were. And then we get this other group in Good Shepherd. Again, we never really see a whole lot of them afterward. This massive crew of misfits hiding around in the ship. Really? Ah, guys, come on. There's 150 of them. Let's get to know them a little better and be consistent about it. Uh, Like, at least one of them, you know? At least one of the original Maquis 
uh, misfits in that episode could have been in that one, and we could have had some closure. It didn't have to be all of them. It would have been too much to be all of them, but maybe just... so. And actually, I am thinking, was it Krim and Chell, the bullion? Maybe I think yes. they did bring him up one time because after Neelix left, they needed a new chef. Mm -hmm. And I think that was him. He was developing a menu. I think you're right. And I th we did see Chell more than once. Like, he was the one character that we saw a little bit. But that grouping or that reference or, or, or some of those other people, it would have been good to check in on those people because it's it would not have been hard to do. And it was built-in continuity that was just a real missed opportunity. It really was. Just get some extras who want to be semi-regulars semi-regular extras on the show, have them out there and just let us see them and see what they're doing. It wouldn't have been that hard, would it? Maybe. I don't know. I don't produce TV. But <laughs> in my ideal world, with 150 people on the ship, you would get to know practically everybody. But that's just me. One thing that I would love to see, and something that comic books do a lot, and I think this would make a good comic book instead of a good novel, is comic books do a lot of what-if stories. Like, what if this uh -huh. happened? You know, like, what if back in the day, this went this way? It's kind of like how we got the mirror universe. Like, what if the Nazis won? What would our history look like today? And so with that in mind, uh, with a little bit of background information, I would like to... Because the, the parasites introduced in season one of TNG were never followed up on again nope. within the show. But they were followed up, I think, in continuing stories of Deep Space Nine in the Novelverse. I do think they were referenced there. But oh, really? In DS9? Yeah, I think yeah. so, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. But I'm going to disregard that because behind the scenes, the Borg were supposed to be insects. Right. And the Borg was supposed to be connected with those parasites that we saw in Season 1. I would love to see a comic book treatment. And the main reason why I want it to be a comic book is because I want to see them. I want artistic mm -hmm. renditions of what it would look like. I would love to see what would the Borg look like if they were those parasites and how would it be connected and how would it play out? So basically give me a little bit of season two or season three of T and G if the Borgs were insects and connected to those parasites. Spiders with nanoprobes. That's yeah. what I'm envisioning. I would love, absolutely love to see that followed up in a what-if scenario. Totally disregarding established canon. <laughs> yeah, that's the nice thing about the novel verse and the comic verse is you don't have to tie in with canon if you don't want to. It's entirely the author's choice. And then you get to have all this fun just freestyling with whatever, with whatever is a good idea at the time. You know one character, and I don't know if this has happened, but if it's not happened, I think it should. I know TOS have do has done this exhaustively, and I think TNG has too, where we have a lot of stories about the crew going on adventures both during the show's time and in between after yada, yada, yada. But have we ever had a story from Janice Rand's point of view or even about <laughs> her? I would love that. I don't think so. That would be fun. Maybe that goes into the short story anthology that I just mentioned a, a moment ago where we get a Janice Rand story. She's always there, and we don't know much about her. I think that would be an interesting short story, yes. It might be interesting to see her throughout the ages. Like you, yeah. you get her from leaving the Academy to retirement, and then just you kind of get those touchstones of the things that we know about, you know, like things that have happened in TOS or, oh, when this happened in Undiscovered Country or when this happened, you know, with that, that kind of thing. And yeah. we get a little little bit of that in 
the Voyager episode. Flashback. Right? Flashback, yeah. She was there, yes. No, I mean, we know she had a very long career in Starfleet, and she never struck me as the type where, oh, I want to be captain someday, a la Tilly. She, I don't know, she just, she wanted to serve, and she did it well, did her time, and that's really about it. Okay, one thing that I always wanted to see and that Discovery kind of ruined for me. What's that? Was because if, if they did it now, it would just feel like copying. Where I always had this idea in my head. Do you remember Mirror Universe Kira from Deep Space Nine? Oh, yes. Very sexy, very evil, very coy, and just a survivor. She knows how to survive in that universe, and she knows when to run away. And the last time that we see her, she is literally running away. She gets away. And she doesn't get her comeuppance, she doesn't get justice, she doesn't get caught, she doesn't get killed. And so I always thought it would be interesting if somehow she made it into our universe. Mm. Yeah, that is a little too close to Discovery. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like what, when I saw Discovery, I was just like, well, well, crap, there goes that novel idea. You know, like that's not going to happen now because that's exactly what happened with Michelle Yao's character. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, now I do wonder if we're going to get any Mirror Universe Discovery novels. Because they've gone there, and it took up so much of the first season's time, there is potential there. My big question is, do we want it? I think we should get it. I think absolutely. I think that is a huge untapped resource, because we're getting some TNG Mirror Universe comics right now. We've, That's true. We've gotten, we've gotten some Mirror Universe novels in the past with Deep Space Nine because they explored it heavily. I'm pretty sure we got some with TOS as well. And I just feel like if, if we have all of that previously, why not explore it with Discovery? And you don't even have to mention, it doesn't even have to be set in our universe or like have a, a connection. It can just be, bam, this is a Mirror Universe story. This is Mirror Universe Tilly. This is Mirror Universe Burnham, you know, whatever, Lorca before he made it over. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It can just be, this is the universe. And because it just seems so rich and fleshed out and cool and, you know, like I'd love to see the Emperor's floating city ship. Like I would love to see that. <laughs> Again. Yeah, the thing is, I'm torn between the idea of capitalizing on interest, because it it's so much in the forefront of our minds, just coming off of the first season of Discovery, but there's a part of me that's just, eh, I don't really want it right now. Maybe later that would be fun, but I don't know, I kind of want to get to know this prime universe and all of this right now. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, to me, it doesn't really matter because whenever, you know, like it's it's a novel, you can pick it up whenever it is. Oh, it's absolutely true. But I, I do kind of wonder if they're going to go there. And then I also kind of wonder, like, if they're just getting started on Discovery novels, obviously, and publishing has changed a lot. But do you remember back in the day when they had just sort of kind of lighthearted, quirky little books that they published here and there? Like, they published the Rules of Acquisition. <laughs> Yes, yes, the rules of acquisition or like the Klingon dictionary or like Hamlin and Klingon or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. I wonder if it would ever be possible. This is just a huge question mark on my, my wish list is I would love like a little silly book with illustrations, life lessons as told by Cadet Tilly. <laughs> Get to know the philosophy of what she thinks, how she thinks, how she sees life. And it's just one of those silly little things, you know, maybe 50 pages meant to be a really quick and light and amusing read. You pick it up every now and again, and that's it. I think the the issue with that is that the golden age is over. 
Right, I know. That's why it's going to be on the f- wish list forever. It's going to be on the wish list forever because you see Star Wars doing that crap constantly, and that's because they're making billions of dollars in the box office. And yeah. Star Trek just can't bring in that kind of cash, and if you can't bring in that kind of cash, you're not going to get those ancillary materials. But I think it would be fun. I remember I, I remember walking through my local bookstore and going to the Star Trek section and seeing random crap pop up. We were just like, oh my god, it's this little pocketbook of the rules of acquisition. How adorable is that? Right. Yoink. You know, you grab it right yeah, away. Yeah, small enough you can put it into your bag and tote it around with you and... It was fantastic, but you are right. That was back in the golden age where it seemed like every time I went to the bookstore, there was a new Star Trek novel out. And it was always a variety, too. I mean, they went from, it was TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, random whatever, behind-the-scenes stuff, picture books, really high-quality photo print books dealing on things like with the art of Star Trek and stuff like that. There was mm-hmm. always something. I mean, my bookshelf in the 90s, I had, I think, five whole shelves devoted just to Star Trek alone. And even I could not keep up, although I tried. Yeah, it was uh, it was always a lot of fun figuring out what was new and trying to get what you could. And I only, I only picked up what I knew I was absolutely going to read. And it was always a little disheartening because even though I'm a huge Star Wars fan, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, it was always a little disheartening to see like three shelves of Star Wars novels and then like half a shelf of Star Trek novels. (laughs) Well, things have changed quite a lot. I mean, I'm always thrilled when I just see anything Star Trek, if I'm in Barnes and Noble, for instance, like, oh my gosh, they actually have it. Thank goodness. I know anything out in the wild, anything out in the wild, I start jumping up and down when I see it. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Well, are there any other avenues that you would love to see in the novel verse that have not happened yet? Like, what is on your wish list? Is there anything that we haven't covered? Well, I think it would be a very interesting story. And I think it's one that we're, that it's surprising to me that you and I are overlooking this. And it's what happened to the lizard babies. <laughs> you know what? I keep holding out hope that Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong are going to create a web series someday that deals with Captain Proton and other unanswered questions dealing with their characters. I want to see Robbie McNeil address the lizard babies in a web series. I want to see it live action as opposed to just (laughs) written on the page. I think, me personally, I think there needs to be some sort of weird time travel where the lizard babies get sucked into a vortex, get thrown back in time, and they are actually the origin species for the episode Distant Origins. Oh my god! (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh! Okay, that's a little... I mean, for as fast as the galaxy is, that's a little too incestuous (laughs) cause and effect, but I still love it. And then you have this awkward ending where, you know, this this huge humanoid dinosaur goes over to Paris and Janeway and just like touches their cheeks slowly, caresses it and says, hello, grandmother. <laughs> you could totally see it happening, too. Like in their incognito mode, they're testing DNA and then they realize that Janeway and Paris are their common ancestors. What? 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 Yep. Love Whoa. it. Print. Love it. Print it. Sell it. Oh my God, shut up and take my money. (laughs) A million copies sold, day one. I honestly think you ought to write that. It's your idea. (laughs) That's probably going to be mine. I don't think anybody else is going to tackle that on. But uh, do you have anything else to add before we close out? No, I think those are my big ones. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you you guys listening, if you have anything that you would have loved to have seen tackled in the comic books or the novels or a short story or anything like that, let us know. Go to uh, thenerdparty.com slash contact, like punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. Find us on social media like we talked about at the beginning of the show. You can do all of that because we want to hear from you guys. And also let us know if there's anything that we have discussed that has been in the novel verse that we would like to check out. And also make sure to give us a review Write us a review, give us a ranking, any review that you want. Make sure it's on iTunes, and you will be entered in to win that Star Trek Discovery novel. Now, next week is going to be, uh, we're going to be venturing into some uh, strange new territory, but uh, whatever that is, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.